Hello and welcome to Superfancast. My name is Chris, I'm joined by Matt, and this is Season 2, Episode 1, Pharrell Williams. Have you had a nice break, Chris? <laughs> I've, had a, I've had a lovely break. We've got, well, we've got new intro music, but since that's added in post, I haven't, I haven't heard it just now. But... Oh yeah, it's, it's amazing. It's the best thing you've ever heard. <laughs> it's not finished yet. Is there anything else new? Have you got a new, new shirt, new trousers, anything like that? I have got a new shirt, yeah. Yeah, do you like it? <laughs> <laughs> so over the break, have you had a nice um, had a I've, nice gap thinking about the the podcast? I've had a nice gap. There's lots of exciting things happening for for the Superfan brand at the moment. Well, I won't give too much away, but there's there's things happening in the coming weeks. We have, or not we, sorry, I have been listening to loads of music, which is nice because I think the last few episodes of season one, I was in a bit of a funk and I wasn't listening to much new music. So those those kind of introductions at the at this beginning of the last few episodes were a bit slim, but I've had some time to listen to some really good stuff. So that's good. What about you? I have been listening to a lot of things, but it's it's mainly because we are looking at Pharrell Williams. And yeah. when you look into Pharrell Williams, you look at basically all of modern R&B and hip hop. Uh, and pop. So, and pop, yeah. And a little bit of rock. So yeah, there's so many things I've listened to which I'm I'm not used to, um, and just as a disclaimer, I am not a hip hop fan. I'm not an R and B fan at all. Well, would you say you're not an R and B or hip hop fan because you don't like it, or because you're just not exposed to it that much and you don't listen to it that much? I'm not really exposed to it. I've I've never really been inspired by it. So this has been a massive learning curve for me, and I've got so many notes scattered everywhere, and I look like a crazy conspiracy theorist. <laughs> yeah so apart from that uh, i've also been listening to a band called bloody wood which uh you've listened to as well oh yeah the indian indian folk metal yeah they are they're so cool these guys they're very angry uh political and very proud of of their heritage and uh so it's it's really good guitar riffs combined with i don't even know the names of the instruments but it's it's indian flute what else a drum lots of samples of Bollywood music and and obviously a lot of their uh, lyrics are in their national language and and they're really fun they just sound so different and unique and and exciting and I and love... they, are, they are truly tribal metal as well and I think that's a yeah. genre that I'm I'm often disappointed by like when I because I, I I'd love that I love that sound but when you google it or you look for artists everyone keeps putting at the top of their list sepultura and mm. they're just not that tribal sepulture. <laughs> no, no. Heavy leaning on the metal metal aspect, and occasionally you have some drums, and yeah. that's about it. A bit of percussion, yeah. Yeah, they remind me a bit of The Who. Remember I spoke to them last time? The, yeah, The Mongolian The Who is band. in H, uh, H-U. Yeah, just just fantastic rock band. You know, regardless of the Indian influences, they just sound so much fun and really mm. big sound. And also a listener has recommended that we check out a artist called Ghostly Kisses. So I had a brief listen and she's a solo artist that has a voice similar to Imogen Heap. And Ghostly Kisses is a very appropriate name. It sounds like Ghostly Kisses. <laughs> it's very ethereal and melancholy. Uh, lots of lovely layers of vocals. It's very beautiful music. I saw that recommendation on Facebook, but I hadn't got around to listening to it yet. Yeah, I was mm. wondering what what Ghostly Kisses was. Mm. I'm 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 impressed by it actually. Yeah, really like it. Cool. 
I've been listening to Johnson Brothers. Did I recommend Johnson Brothers to you? No. So Johnson Brothers are a band that I don't I don't know how big they were. Maybe they were maybe they were very big in the US, I'm not sure, but they only had one album back in 2010 and their singer, their frontman was Chris Stapleton. Ah, your favorite. Yeah, but this is really really good. It's like it's awesome kind of southern rock but really it's got really defined riffs and quite zeppelin-y actually mm, um in mm. their sound and just i i mean their 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 selling point is the songs really just really kick our songs with catchy hooks and stapleton's voice is it's designed for this really I, I i don't i think he was in several bands before he went solo so i don't know what his other bands were like but this is the first time i've heard him sing anything other than country mm-hmm. and it's it's brilliant like he's that's it's his voice is absolutely made for it. The screaming and yeah, is clearly very influenced by Robert Plant um, mm. in in his delivery of uh, yeah on Johnson Brothers. But yeah, it's it's really good. I can't you, can't stop. How do you spell that? Johnson. Johnson. Yeah, J O M P S O N. Okay. What else have I been listening to? I've been listening to Kanye's uh, College Dropout because oh uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you've you've been tweeting about this, haven't you? Yeah, I'm on, I'm on a Kanye trip at the moment. So I've been watching Genius, the documentary series on Netflix. I haven't haven't finished it yet. I haven't watched the third the third episode, and I've, I'm about halfway through the second episode. But a lot of that focus is, in fact, you know, I'm halfway through the second episode, and they still haven't released his debut album. So you can imagine you know, that that's three hours already of just the build up to his debut album. So there's a lot a lot of focus is on the tracks on College Dropout. So and, and also that. I remember that album a lot when it came out mm-hmm. and people were talking about this new guy, Kanye West. And I remember when through the wire, the single, that was the first song I heard by him. And it was, yeah, it, it made a big impression and it, everyone was talking about it. It was a massive tune. It's a brilliant tune. And so going back and listening to that album now, and a lot of those tracks are covered a lot in the documentary. So you see their creation and, and the recording process and, and the hype he was trying to build around it. Stuff like Jesus Walks and Through the Wire, It All Falls mm. Down and Breathe In, Breathe Out. So yeah, just really loving listening to that. Really loving listening to that album again. Yeah. Have you seen his latest video? I haven't seen it yet. No, I've, I've heard about it. But yeah, I haven't seen it yet. Have you seen it? Uh, I've I've heard about it. I've heard that he's he's pretty scary in it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so from what I understand, it's a claymation version yeah. of him decapitating Pete Davidson or just kidnapping him and, and think, torturing him. I think- yeah, I think he's like burying him and sticking knives in him, or something <laughs> like that. Yeah, <laughs> claymation and Wallace and Gromit come along as well. Yeah, it's it's it seems a bit seems a bit infantile, really. But that, quite funny. That's exactly what I thought when I when I read about it. I thought this is like everyone's attacking him and saying that you know he's he's a danger, but I think it's just a bit childish. Like he's just yeah. been a bit of a kid, isn't he? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But imagine if you were the the guys who had to do the claymation you know it takes forever to do that so you know you move little bits take a picture move a little bit take a picture so it takes takes weeks and weeks to just do like a minute long yeah yeah i guess uh the, the once one other band worth worth mentioning that i've been listening to a lot and this isn't anything new you know i've mentioned these guys before on the podcast but i've been listening to uh marcus king band or actually mm. more specifically i've been listening to marcus king so i didn't know he'd uh the Marcus King band had split and he was now just Marcus King and he was doing solo stuff. So I discovered that I was listening to um, Carolina Confessions, which is an album by Marcus King band, which I love. There's every single track on that album is amazing. 
Um, so I was listening to that, and then on Spotify I realised that it said featuring. You know, you know, it, it tags on Spotify, it tags other artists, mm-hmm. and it showed that it was featuring Marcus King. And I thought, oh right, so he's doing solo stuff as well. So I had to listen to that. It's a bit more experimental, and it's he's trying different styles, sort of ranging across soul, less of the funky stuff from Marcus King band. Um, more deeper blues and trying out different sounds with production on his voice and much more stripped back instrumentation. Marcus King Band was always like a, a big band and, and this is a lot, a lot of it's just him and a guitar and um, yeah, it's very stripped back. I don't like it as much as Carolina Confessions, but that's a, an amazing album to, to have to follow up. Anyway, mm. we I googled him and realised he is touring massively in the US, but he's coming over to Europe for two dates He's playing a festival in the Netherlands and he's playing a festival in Spain. So I said to the wife, why don't we go over to the Netherlands in the summer? Just just for the night, like we'll fly over, go to the festival just to see Marcus King and then fly home. So we strongly considered it and we looked we looked at you know, flying over and then get tickets for this festival. It's something jazz festival. I can't remember what it's called, but yeah, it's at some big festival in, in the Netherlands. Anyway, how, how much? I mean, this shows how old I'm getting. How much do you think it is for a one-day ticket to a jazz festival? One day. To a, to a jazz festival? Yeah, it's a jazz festival. I mean, there's loads of artists playing. Like Alicia Keys is there. Um, I mean, Marcus King was the only one I was really looking at. But, you know, you've got a bunch of different artists. It's a festival, but I'm just talking one day. No no staying the night or anything. Like, how much do you think is acceptable? Mm, well, acceptable uh, <laughs> ex- acceptable is different to, to, to what's actually there. Uh, I'd say acceptable, probably about 40 quid, but I imagine it's it's probably 70, 80. Well, I, I was expecting 70, 80. Yeah, this was over 150 pounds each. Whoa. So before we even looked at a hotel for the night, um, flights, we were looking at over 300 quid just to get into the festival for the two of us. Wow. So yeah, not going to see Marcus King this summer. <laughs> oh, sad times, sad times. Yeah, I don't know. I, I wish he'd come to the UK. I, I, there's not many... Like I... For someone who's obsessed, as obsessed with music as me, I'm not that mad into seeing live shows. Um, there's only a handful of artists I'd I'd really go out of my way to see. But Marcus King is definitely one of them. I'd love to see him live. I think he'd do an amazing live show. Mm. Um, mm. Yeah, so that's a shame. Oh, man. Yeah, that's that's what we get, I guess, for having all the recorded music for free. Uh, I guess. Yeah, yeah, they've yeah. Got to, they've got to get their money somewhere. Yeah. So this is the start <laughs> of season two. Yeah. We are more than likely going to have a whole bunch of listeners who didn't listen to season one in full and they're jumping in here at season two. So a little introduction to, to what we're about. One thing we're, we're not about is, you know, this isn't this isn't a biographic podcast. We're not going to explain everything you've you've there is to know about about Pharrell Williams. The focus of Superfancast is we're looking for the superfans of these artists and we will quiz them to find out if they are a fan or a fraud. So we're going to go into each of the questions that we will quiz the superfan with and cover some of the information around those questions, around the subject of those questions. Yeah, but you're also going to see if I'm a superfan, aren't you? I, d- I don't and... think you're a superfan of Pharrell, but we're going to we're going to see how well you know. <laughs> no, I'm not really going to do well at this this time. And I, and I have tried. I really have tried. Uh, it's, it's There's just so much. It's, it's like a deep rabbit hole with Pharrell. You know, at first I thought this is going to be easy because he's only got two solo albums and, you know, he does a little bit of guest appearances here and there. And then I didn't really understand how much of a big deal he was. His CV is astronomical. It's it's unbelievable, yeah. you know, how much he's done 
and all the people he's worked with. I know I've said this before, but this is genuinely probably one of the hardest episodes that we've had to research because you just don't know where to begin. No, there's there's no. so many different paths to go down as well because, uh, well, we'll talk about it. I'll, I'll, we'll talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. One of the main things I love so much about Pharrell's work is the groove. He just has a funky groove to most of his stuff that really gets you moving. It's hard to explain. And the sonics, they're living, breathing entities, whatever. Like the, the music goes through so many emotional changes. It switches up, especially the bridges. It just it just sticks with you. The, the, the sounds he uses so sonically, just spaced out. It's just crazy. I don't, it's hard to explain, but the melodies strike something in your brain, whatever, where they just stay with you. They're so memorable. Pharrell Lancillo Williams. Is that pronounced correctly? Lancillo? Lancillo must be. Uh, Pharrell yeah, Lancillo sure. Williams. Whatever, yeah. <laughs> Was born in Virginia Beach in 1973. His music career began in the early 90s when he began producing as one half of the duo The Neptunes. Between 92 and 2005, the Neptunes produced countless chart-topping hits and Pharrell started to dabble with singing and rapping. A survey in 2003 by The Age suggested... Uh, the Age is a, a music publication. Suggested the Neptunes produced as much as 20% of all songs on British radio at the time. There is a survey in 2003 uh, that said that it was... 43% of the songs on American radio. That's right. I saw that as well, but I chose not to mention that because I think that sounds questionable. I think the 43 sounds questionable. Even the 20 sounds like a lot. Mm. I, I, I've got no idea about American charts. I so I don't know, but it's, it does it does seem pretty impressive either way. Yeah. I mean, tw- 20%, 43%, they're both massive numbers, I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. In 2001, Pharrell began releasing music under the name NERD with childhood friends Shay Haley and Chad Hugo. To date, the hip-hop rock fusion group have released five studio albums, with their most recent in 2017, featuring collaborations with Rihanna, Future and Ed Sheeran. In 2006, Pharrell released his first solo album, In My Mind. This entered the Billboard charts at number three, peaked in the UK at number seven, and was nominated for Best Rap Album at the Grammy Awards of 2007. A follow-up was released in 2014, but was the last solo studio album from Pharrell to date. Aside from his music, Pharrell has built multiple fashion brands and has been involved in the fashion industry in various capacities since the mid-noughties. He has maintained the highest status in the music industry for at least two decades and is recognised as one of hip-hop's most impactful producers of his generation and a successful singer, rapper and songwriter. Boom. Yeah, sounds about right. It's a good introduction, isn't it? Mm, Yeah, I like him already. Yeah, sorry the dates are all over the place for that introduction, but it's really hard writing something chronologically sensible when he's doing so many things at the same time. Yeah, yeah. and I, yeah. I and I didn't really appreciate uh, until this this last week or two that he was Pharrell the solo artist at the same time that he was the Neptunes and NERD. They weren't different eras of his music; no. they were all exactly the same time. Yeah, yeah, he was. Uh... He's constantly busy. You know, I've seen him talk about 16, 17 hour working days yeah. <laughs> and he's constantly exhausted because he just loves doing what he does. Yeah, what did incredible. You, what did you know about Pharrell before all of this? Oh, I didn't know much. You know, the, in the noughties, I remember he kept appearing in music videos, you know, just just hanging about, just doing occasional goings. Oh, 
or who, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. And I thought he was yes, just an, yeah. <laughs> I thought he was just an upcoming hip hop artist who was trying to get in the scene. So he was being sneaked into other artists' videos to promote him, and then eventually he'd have his big break. And I was thinking, oh, one day he'll get his big break. And I remember <laughs> <laughs> this this nobody. And I remember his debut album came out, and it was all right. I, you know, someone talked about it at school, maybe one person. And I thought, okay, well, this this is just some random dude. And then later on, I remember he worked with Daft Punk and Despicable Me movies, and you know, he was much much of a big brand name at the time. And I didn't realize that he was such a producer. I'd never really heard of the Neptunes. I knew of NERD. I remember they were on Kerrang! TV and I thought they were quite interesting. Mm. But apart from that, that was, that was really all I knew about him. So I, I, I had no idea he was a producer and it's, it's, it's quite embarrassing really how little I knew about him because he's such an influence on modern music. Mm. To be honest, yeah. How about you? I'm pretty about the same. Yeah, for me, it's fairly limited. I I knew who he was. I could name countless songs by him or one of his projects, but I would never have said I knew him or his music, really. I think I was probably most familiar with him around 2002, 2003, 2004. The uh, NERD album Fly or Die was pretty big, and I had at least one friend who was pretty into that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also at the same time, Neptunes have released Clones, and that was that record was really big. Funnily enough, I had never listened to Clones by the Neptunes, Mm -hmm. so I didn't actually know what it was until I listened to it this week. And it's obviously just like a a compilation of tunes that they've produced. Um, Mm -hmm. But I never knew what it was at the time, but I definitely recognised the album cover and the name was everywhere at the time. It was very big. Yeah. Other stuff that was spinning a lot around that time was Lap Dance by NERD. Mm -hmm. That was a massive song, an anthem for the early noughties, I would say. Although the wife had not heard that song before. I don't, I don't know where she's been hiding, but I played that to her and she said she'd never heard of it before. But there we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I, <laughs> I, read all, I read some things saying that it was meant to be some political protest anthem. About That's what it says on Wikipedia, yeah. Yeah, but I never really, I never really got that gist <laughs> before. And then in recent years, I think, sadly... Well, I don't know about sadly, or it's just a fact, isn't it? I think I recognise him more now for being a celebrity than being a musician. Mm, unfortunately, mm-hmm. yeah. he has kind of, yeah, he's kind of become that. He's he's on TV a lot, not necessarily releasing much music or being involved in music and you know in much, but he's um, he's an an icon. Yeah, I found some videos on YouTube of him talking about dermatology and skin products. Yeah, he does that, right? I didn't I didn't read about it at all, but it's it's popped up a few times in the last week. Yeah. And I thought, to be fair, I think he's 48 now and he looks about the same as he did when he was 20. So maybe true. we need to listen to what his uh, his skincare routine is. <laughs> All right, well, Pharrell, there we go. I'm going to ask five questions to help us discover a bit more about Pharrell. I'm going to be asking those five questions to a super fan and this week's super fan is steve from finland he will get one point per correct answer five or more points will earn him the status of super fan and i'm also gonna be asking those questions to matt but uh, you you get a free ticket at the end you don't you don't have to get five right to be a super fan you're cool regardless oh thank you <laughs> i'm cool. not gonna get five though <laughs> let's get started question one 
This is a, I started with a really easy one, so I don't want to... <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. I think it's a really easy one, anyway. Thanks Question one. Words. What 2013 single, produced by and featuring Pharrell, was number one in at least 13 countries? <laughs> 2013. Uh, was it Drop It Like It's Hot? Oh. <laughs> no, that was... No, that wasn't. That was earlier. Uh, oh, let me think. 2013. No, no. Scrap that. Was it happy? No, that's it. You've had just two guesses. Damn it. It's blurred lines. Oh, for goodness sake. Oh, I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> oh. Oh, oh just fair, take me away. <laughs> to be fair, it could have been one of many tunes. It was only the year that gave it away, really. But um, but also, oh, it was number dear. one in at least tw- 13 countries. I'm so sorry, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Can we start that again? <laughs> well, start start the season as you mean to go on. Oh, no. I do. I have heard of Blurred Lines, actually. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's it's quite a famous song, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot to say about this one song, actually. Um, but it wouldn't be a very interesting episode if it was just talked about Blurred Lines. So I won't go, I won't go too no. deep. But some background information. Blurred Lines came out March 26, 2013. Uh, it was the first single off Robin Thicke's 2013 album, also called Blurred Lines. The tune went absolutely astronomical. It was absolutely everywhere. It was top of the Billboard Hot 100 for 12 weeks. And depending on where you look, it's reached number one in somewhere between 13 and 25 countries. That's it's, insane. Yeah, it's one of the best-selling singles of all time. We yeah, could talk all day about what a commercial success it was. You don't hear it very much, though, nowadays, do you? Yeah, it wasn't all roses. Not long after the single came out, some attentive listeners picked up on a sour tone to the lyrics. It was interpreted by uh, quite a few people as a song about a protagonist male telling a woman to sleep with him. She says no, and he interprets that as yes, and she's giving him mixed signals. So that's the blurred lines. Uh, no might mean yes, etc. Mm. So there's we won't go into it too deeply, but there's loads to read online from people criticising the message of the song. One phrase that comes up very regularly is the term of glorifying rape culture. Um, And around the time of the song's release, a whole string of... Well, in the UK, a string of universities banned it from being used at student events. Interviewers tried to hold Pharrell and and Robin Thicke accountable. Mm. But to start with, they did start defending the song. They didn't... I think Robin Thicke even to date has defended it. I don't think he's ever gone back on it. But Pharrell has more recently accepted that the words... Uh, the, the the language is similar to that being used by men taking advantage of women uh, he's, yeah. he's he's not been super yeah, he's not gone totally back on it but he has he has kind of made a few vague comments that he he accepts why people are upset by it yeah i, I think that the, the video doesn't really help it the video even. doesn't help it although it had a female director the video yeah yeah i heard yeah uh this is this is such a rabbit hole isn't it again yeah we can um we can, <laughs> we can <get> <laughs> <if you> like. <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, but I think I think Robin Thicke has said that it's it's like a it's meant to be like a feminist anthem mm. or something, and and everyone's like uh, it's really not. Yeah, I think Pharrell's defense was it's not about sex. The song it's about dancing, mm-hmm. so it's about a woman on the dance floor, and it's yeah. But anyway, yeah. Have you have you seen the videos? I haven't watched it this time actually. During the last couple of weeks, I haven't watched it, but I remember it slightly. I, well, I'm, I remember Pharrell and and Robin Thicke standing against a, a white wall, and there's an inflatable sheep, and there's lots of women in underwear. That's about... I, don't, I thought that was a real sheep. Oh, is it a real sheep? <laughs> it's a real sheep, and there's a, my I think there's a I think there's a stuffed dog. 
Okay. <laughs> but but what I what I noticed is, uh, you know, Robin Thicke, he's just like all over the girls, like really, you know, touchy feely, and who's the other guy on the track? Uh, it's Ti, I think, isn't it? Yeah, he's he's kind of like this. He's kind of the same. And Pharrell seems to be standing in the corner, just sort of minding his own business. Mm. And he, he looks a bit like he he asks the wife, oh, I'd like to go to this party with my friends. There's going to be some nice girls there. And she's like, all right, you can go, but just don't touch anything. So he's just standing there, like not touching anybody, just just standing there minding his own business. Well, that's interesting cool. you say that, because I, like yeah. I say, I haven't watched it this time around, so I don't remember too much. But I did see that interview you sent me with Krishna Guru Murthy. Mm, and in yeah. that, he says, Pharrell said, if you watch the video, the only mm. thing I touch is a sheep. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's actually, that's actually very true. <laughs> interesting. Yeah. So on, on top of all that, sometime before or around the time of the release of the single, the family of Marvin Gaye and the publisher that owns his music made a copyright claim against the song sounding... Mm saying that it sounded like Marvin Gaye's got to give it up. Thick and... Thick. <laughs> Am I going to call him Thick from now? Thick, Williams and T.I. then sued Gaye's family for making an invalid copyright claim. Now, the court case... Well, it was a really long and complicated court case. Mm. They they never sampled anything and didn't directly copy anything, but it was deemed that Blur Lines was similar to certain elements. That's I think that's the phrase that was used. Well, similar to certain elements of Got to Give It Up. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I feel very strongly about this, but yeah. Yeah, do I do as well. I it? think it's it sets a dangerous precedent, doesn't it? The, the, the fact that, well, the, the ruling that they, that they received. So in 2015, they lost, basically. Robin mm. Thicke and, and Pharrell Williams were found guilty of copyright infringement. 2016, they appealed. Uh, they did lose the appeal. At the time of that appeal, a whole list of artists, or two two hundred plus artists, signed a document challenging the verdict because they said it threatened to punish artists for creating music inspired by others. And yeah. so then artists are then scared to write anything because mm-hmm. it might have been they might have been inspired consciously or subconsciously. Yeah, yeah. Um, which kind of puts us in an anti-creative space. Yeah, but it, just just to finish the the court case bit, I mean, so that's they they appealed, they lost the appeal, they still had to to pay out um, quite a lot of money to Marvin Gaye's family. Then in two thousand nineteen, Marvin Gaye's family opened the lawsuit again and accused Pharrell of lying under oath. He was found not guilty uh, of that in February two thousand twenty one, so just last year. Yeah, but uh, didn't Pharrell bring it to court in the first place? Because yeah. he was getting accusations, so he wanted to bring it out in the open and get it sorted legally. So I think that um, Marvin Gaye's family had made a copyright claim. That's not a that's not a lawsuit. That's that's a business deal. So they'd made a claim for copyright. He then sued them for making a for making an invalid copyright claim. Yeah. So so the, so yeah, he'd Pharrell had instigated the legal proceedings, but mm-hmm. in in response to something that he felt was was done incorrectly ah, right, in business, yeah, okay. so it's a bit yeah. of a grey line. It's a bit of a blurred line, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's this really annoys me. It is restricting creativity, and for me, when I listen to the two songs or rather the the, the part that's said to be copied, because obviously the vocal melody is nothing the same. The chord structure is different. The keys different. The rhythms are a little bit different there are similar sounds there and clearly they've been influenced and thick 
has said in an interview, oh yeah, we were just listening to a bit of Marvin Gaye and we, we got really inspired. <laughs> so clearly they were taking elements, but they it's not, you know, is it really worth going over to court for, you know? It just seems yeah. a bit strange to me. So the legal proceedings included testing Pharrell on his knowledge of music theory, because yeah. if he was musically trained, whatever that means, I'm doing inverted commas, mm then he would have been able to create his own music rather than just blatantly copy another existing song. Yeah. So there's a video online, I think I should have sent it to you. Yeah, I they're showing They're showing him notes and saying, what's this note, what's this note? And he doesn't know, and he keeps saying, oh, I'm not comfortable with this, I'm not comfortable with this. It really annoyed me that because so many musicians, really successful musicians, don't know classical music theory. Mm. And they are incredibly talented. People like Jimi Hendrix, you know, he didn't know music theory. He he had his own system in his head. He had intuition. He had creativity. A few other people. Who's the guy who did the music for Nightmare Before Christmas? Oh. Danny Elfman. Danny Elfman. Yeah, he can't read sheet music. Really? Yeah, yeah. He just he just does it all himself. Wow. Genius. Yeah. So it was just a strange, strange way for them to do it. But I guess. When you're in a legal context, you have to try and find something, you know, you need to find some kind of evidence. Yeah. It's, it's just a weird one, I think. It is a weird one. Wow. Yeah, no, no point for you, Matt. But um... uh, I'm, I'm gutted, but at least I've had a rant. Yeah, good one. <laughs> Glad you got that off your chest, mate. Uh, question two. Okay, now it gets a lot harder, but, you know, we've got the super fan we've got. I oh, hope I'm not talking him up too much, but I think, because I haven't spoken to him yet, but I think he's going to do very well. So I've I've tried to mm. I've tried to make these tough questions. So let's yeah. see how let's see know, how we go. He'll know a bit more than me. Mm. What was the first album to be released through Star Trek Entertainment? Oh, you know what? I I I genuinely don't know. I know some Star Trek albums, but I couldn't tell you the first one. So tell okay. me. Yeah, the, the answer is Lord Willin by Clips. Oh yes, yes. Yeah, so a little bit of background on Star Trek. So that was founded by Neptunes and Rob Walker, and they actually signed some big names and released some good records. They did mm. they did pretty well. Biggest move they made was acquiring, I believe this is correct, I might be using the wrong terminology, but I believe they acquired Doggy Style Records and mm. Snoop Dogg. Yes. And they actually released his RNG album on Star Trek. So I think that's I think that's the only one they released on Star Trek through for Snoop Dogg. But it was a big album. And they also yeah. had everyone's favourite pervert, Robin Thicke. They had about five Robin Thicke albums. Yeah, they did, yeah. He was a, he was a big one for them. Khalees? They had Khalees? Yes, Khalees. Yeah. Khalees they'd already been working with uh, before Star Trek. So they produced her Kaleidoscope album, which came out about two years before Star Trek was a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, N.E.R.D., have you heard of them? Oh, no. Oh, oh really? Oh, what's their link to uh, Star Trek? <laughs> Um, and clips. yeah, uh, the clips. Yeah, there's oh, there was oh, there's a there's a little indie band called Chester French. Oh, I missed those. I I checked them out because I looked at all the artists and it's these two geeky looking white guys. One's on guitar, one's on vocals, and yeah, they they're released on Star Tracks, and I don't think they're produced by Pharrell, but there's there's definitely a sound there. Yeah, that sounds very Neptune-y yeah, they yeah. stopped. Star Trek stopped operating in 2014. I'm not really sure why either. Did you figure out why they stopped? No, but I wonder if the whole Blurred Lines backlash was a part of it because uh, yeah, that be. was that was only a year before. 
2013. And Robin Thicke was probably their biggest biggest artist, I think, because of that song. And then suddenly, Possibly, oh, yeah. oh no. <laughs> no one wants to hear this song anymore. They do still have a website. Their website is just a web shop now. And they sell socks, branded Star Trek socks for $16 a pair. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> yeah. I read an article by Khalees, by well, about Khalees, about how she feels she was screwed by the Neptunes, and really? and her deal with Star Trek, and she no longer has a relationship with Pharrell because of it. Oh. I'm not sure if she's talking about her um, her deal with Star Trek or whether the Neptune, whether she's talking about the Neptunes production work. But you know, the music industry is a is a shitty place. It's mm-hmm. the music industry, right? Um, yes, we know that. But I guess some deals are screwier than others. And she says she didn't know what she was signing. Pharrell and Chad were her friends when she got involved with Star Trek. She trusted mm-hmm. them. Yeah. But it turns out that she now makes next to no royalties on the music that she released through Star Trek. No way. Uh, and she also says that the relationship was ruined when she started bringing in other producers. She wanted to work with other producers and Neptunes were not happy about that. And that's wow. when the, the relationship went downhill. Wow. So, Interesting. Yeah. Possibly completely unrelated to the to the downfall of uh, of Star Trek in two thousand fourteen, and maybe just anecdotal because it's just her word. But yeah, it was an interesting article. Mm, yeah, that's interesting because I mean, I, you know, because of them, she she is such a big name, mm. surely. Yeah, 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 yeah. Could be. Yeah. So Neptunes. Who are the Neptunes? Who are the Neptunes? <laughs> oh, I don't I have no idea. <laughs> just just you know the biggest production duo in decades. Apparently so, yeah. Chad yeah. Hugo, Pharrell Williams. They knew each other from early years school. They then went to different schools and then they met each other again uh, later in life, you know, as teens, when they both started attending a school for gifted artistic kids. Mm. Pharrell was into yeah. drums at that point. Chad was into his saxophone and they were both quite into producing music in their spare time. And so they started making tunes together with... I think at that time they started making tunes together with Shay Haley, who went on to be in NERD. But I yeah. guess it, I guess in time, Shad and Pharrell kind of really started excelling at that, and so they became Neptunes. And with the help of Teddy Riley, they got their they got a deal and got their name out there, and they ended up producing everything that was released in the late nineties and early noughties, pretty much. Yeah, that's pretty lucky, isn't it? They did a local talent contest. And they were discovered by Teddy Riley because... Oh, is that where he studio... saw them? Yeah, because his studio was really close to Pharrell's school. Oh, right. And yeah, that's that's pretty amazing, really, to, to be that close to, to a really huge producer like Teddy Riley. Yeah. They also were part of a march band. Pharrell played the snare drum and Hugo was a student conductor. Yeah, so Pharrell goes back to his old school quite regularly and speaks with and trains with the marching band there he says that marching bands around virginia beach area it's a very big thing like for the schools and Mm. it was something that he was massively into and he wants to encourage kids to to get into it and Mm -hmm. get them that foundation in music so he's very uh, he's a big uh, he's a big champion for that and still very involved in his his school that's nice yeah yeah. Some of the artists that, that they produced, I mean, oh, it's endless, isn't it? But like the big names around that, around the late 90s with Beyonce, Nelly, NSYNC, Britney, Jay-Z, Snoop, Busta Rhymes, Kelly's, yeah. <laughs> Just a yeah. few. Just a few. Um, but there's quite the a lot funny? of pop as well. Quite a lot of pops that I didn't realise. I mean, obviously NSYNC and Britney Spears, They he did some songs with Britney Spears. Yeah, I'm a Slave for You was their first number one, I think. 
Do you know I'm a Slave for You? Do you know who that was originally written for? Oh, I did know this. Oh, my days. I'm a Slave for You. Was this for uh, Beyonce? No, it was written for Janet Jackson. Oh, yes, of course. Yes. Yeah, and I think she, yeah. I guess she turned it down, so we gave it to, gave it to Britney. Oh, they, they do stuff for Janet Jackson. They do stuff for Michael Jackson. They just get, yeah. get turned down. Yeah. <laughs> by the Jacksons. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's amazing, isn't it? Like, so... Some of the interviews with Pharrell, there's quite a few really good roundtables on YouTube with him and Chad Hugo. And I've seen a really good one with him, Chad Hugo, Tyler, the creator and Justin Timberlake Mm. just doing Mm. a roundtable chat, talking about their experiences in the music industry. And it's it's just amazing hearing the stories. There's just no one that Pharrell hasn't been in touch with at some point, whether he's done work with them. He's touched everybody in some way. Like, it's just amazing. Uh, he's worked with Rizzle Kicks as well. Has he really? <laughs> yeah, the, the, the guys from the UK. Yeah, I, I heard them talking about uh, how he is as a producer and he, he brings out the best in them. And they're oh, really wow. complimentary. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. <laughs> I, wouldn't have, I wouldn't have paired them. Uh, no, I wouldn't have, actually. No. <laughs> Do you think they have a recognisable style, Neptunes? Yes. Yeah, I, I've, I've been looking into this, actually, trying to figure out in my mind what their sound is, what their signature thing is that they bring to music. Um, it's quite. A... What do you think first? Uh, so I think that after listening to a lot of their stuff, I think they do have, for the most part, a recognisable style. I mean, there's definitely some tracks that uh, I would never have guessed was them, but I think that uh, a lot of the stuff does have a recognisable style, and I think that a lot of it is there's a, ma- a massive uh, focus on the drum sound. I think, yeah, really distinctive drum beats, really creative drum sounds as well. They're not mm. just using what you've got in front of you when you're using tangible drums <laughs> there yeah. uh, you know chad hugo's always using obscure samples to create like weird sounds and yeah. you know i've seen some interviews with chad where he's he's talking about some of the some of the sounds he's created like uh steam <laughs> he uses yeah steam um, noises steam yeah. noises yeah. and like just little Mouth, clicks and clacks and things clicks and yeah hitting on a desk yeah yeah they're very creative with their drums uh, they also do a thing where they record live drums, and I think Pharrell plays those drums, and mm-hmm. then they cut those live drums and loop them. You know, they they do this with other instruments as well, guitar and piano and other things. They, they use live mm-hmm. instruments, and I didn't hear very much sampling from other songs in their music. Yeah, that's very sounds, true. It all sounds very original, like they are performing it themselves and putting it together, but it still sounds like hip hop. Yeah, that's really true. I hadn't thought about that, but yeah, there's there's really no sampling, is there, for, for mm. the most part? Yeah, the the drums are really key though, and and on YouTube I found so many that basically say, oh, this is uh, Neptune's beat number one, Neptune's beat number seventy five. Right. It's like they, they're they're sort of breaking apart these drum beats and saying, oh, this is this is why it's so amazing. This is so good. And, uh, they they use a bit of key changes as well and and bridges and and quite nice vocal melodies as well I think and and also you know it's the Neptune's production because it has backing vocals from Pharrell of course yeah <laughs> yeah and he he's very distinctive you know there's a lot of falsetto nice yeah. little interjections yeah I probably I, w- I want to talk more about about Pharrell's input but actually there's a there's a later question where I can talk more about that subject so I don't want to steal steal the content mm-hmm. from that so we'll yeah. get we'll transition now into question three Ooh, okay. <laughs> This is a tough one, Matt. No, okay, question three. 
What song from Fall Out Boy's Folly Adieu was co-written by Pharrell? From Fall Out Boy? I have not got a clue. Fall no, Out I Boy. Didn't... I didn't know they did anything with Fall Out Boy. Well, that's <laughs> it. Yeah, that's why it's a tough question. So oh. they had a song on their oh, album, man. Folly Adieu, which I'm sort of pronouncing wrong. Called... Folly Adieu? Yeah. What's Folly? Like a false oh, goodbye. false maybe. goodbye. Oh, there we go. Maybe. I don't know. So the song is called W-A-M-S. Whams. Whams. Yep. Okay. So I read this really cool article from Time magazine from December 2014 that was called 10 Pharrell songs used that sound nothing like Pharrell. Ah. And nice. this particular one, I haven't seen the liner notes, so the information varies online, but all music gives Neptunes to credit for production. Elsewhere, I've also seen Pharrell credited as co-writing. Right, okay. So okay. I understand that Pharrell had seen Fallout Boy live and he then approached them and said he had a great idea for a tune and he wanted to do it with them. I cannot hear the Pharrell influence on this song at all. Mm. It's just so different to what he normally does. But if it's if it's in the writing, then that's understandable. If it's in the production, then I yeah, I can't see what he's done. Do you mind um, if I have a little listen? Yep, yep take a listen. I mean, the, the drums are really nicely recorded. Yeah, but they've got a drummer, <laughs> so I mean... <laughs> Yeah, they've got a drummer, but, I'm, but, but I mean, the drums sound nice, you know, and a lot of drums don't. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting, but yeah, I can't, I can't really hear it. Yeah, I mean, it's very guitar-centric, isn't it? I mean, sometimes a producer is just there to give guide some ideas them. and, yeah to, yeah, to guide them, to encourage them, to sort of bring out the best in them, you know, rather than yeah. put a trademark sound on it. So, yeah. And, and a lot of artists I've, I've read interviews of, they've, said that Pharrell particularly is good at that. Hugo seems to be more in the studio doing more technical things. Yeah. Whereas Pharrell is is usually with the artist. So maybe yeah. he's giving like moral support or something. You know, Saying, Pharrell Come on yeah, guys. I, I saw an interview where Pharrell kept calling Chad a savant. But it's interesting because I mean I'm sure he's not a savant, but but either way it does seem like when you see them in the studio, Chad stays very quiet doing his thing on the computer. And mm. then when when they're at kind of a, like a writer's block or they they can't quite do something, they'll go, Chad, how do we do this? And he'll just mm. pull it out of the sky and he just does yeah. it. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. He does seem like a, a, a real musical genius. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, what, what other songs are on that list? That's a good question. I don't have the list here, but I do have, I did make a note of some other notable things that they've done that you wouldn't have expected. But a lot of these never were never released. So okay. in 2000, they worked with Rage Against the Machine. Really? Wow. They worked on a track for Renegades, their oh. 2000 album. But the track that uh, Neptune's produced was never... It, it never made it to the album. So it was incomplete. They also worked with Marilyn Manson on his album Golden Age of Grotesque. Wow. But the song that Neptune's produced never made it to the album. Gosh. Stuff that was released, they worked with No Doubt, obviously, and then they went mm. on to work with Gwen Stefani. Yeah, they worked with Limp Bizkit in two thousand and one. Yeah, yeah. So there's 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 plenty of stuff out there that's unexpected, but they are certainly more recognised for hip hop, R and B, and pop. Yeah, I found this isn't the Neptunes. This isn't Nerd. Uh, Nerd did a duet with Papa Roach. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's a song called Don't Look Back, and it was for the classic movie Biker Boys, with a Z, <laughs> in 2003. That's up there, uh, isn't it, with uh, Schindler's List? And... Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like you'd expect. It's very it's very new metal-y. And also, 
Neptunes again, they produced a... Well, they did their own version of a Metallica song, Wherever I May Roam. Oh, that's right. You sent that to me. Yeah, they did I their think. own mix of it. And it's it's it does sound very Neptunesy. Yeah, but it also sounds it. very metallic I I didn't think it sounded enough like it was a, 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 a digital production from Neptunes. It sounded a lot like... I don't know. It, yeah, I don't know. That's, that's how I felt. I mm. felt like it could have sounded more Neptunesy. Is what I, yeah. is what I felt. But I asked my my smart speaker to play songs by the Neptunes, and then it started playing Metallica. Like, oh, and yeah. I looked it up, and yeah, there it is. Yeah, very cool. Just one last thing on Whams. Do you know what Whams might stand for? Uh, oh God, no, I, I haven't got a clue. Apparently, it stands for waiter, actress, model, singer, and they're all Ooh. things that people do in Hollywood when they're trying to make it big. Wow. So I think that's what the song is about. You know, people move to Hollywood to become a star, and they end up being a, a waiter. Being a being a whams. <laughs> what do you What do you do? Oh, I'm a whams. <laughs> uh, okay, shall, shall I move on to question four? Yes, please. All right. What is the name of the studio in Virginia Beach where the Neptunes worked on Justin Timberlake's debut album? The only studio I know is the Hovercraft. Uh, you know what? It's not, but I'm going to give you the point because there's a bit of ambiguity from my side and, and maybe maybe our super fan can clear that ambiguity up. But the answer is Master Sound Studios. Uh, yes. So just quickly on the ambiguity. So Master Sound Studios is a, or had been, when they started recording uh, Justified by Justin Timberlake, which was 2001. I guess they must have started recording in 2000-ish. It was already a studio, had been around in the 90s in, in Virginia Beach as Master Sound Studios. Pharrell and Chad had been working there a lot and they'd brought a lot of business to, to Master Sound. And yeah, they'd recorded some big artists there. They then started traveling a lot around the US and they were recording in New York, Miami and LA a lot. Master Sound started losing a lot of money because they no longer had Neptune's resident there. Mm. And at some point in 2003, Neptune's purchased Master Sound. Uh, it was going bankrupt and Neptune's purchased it and then brought a lot of that business back and started using Master Sound again. Mm. I think they then changed the name to Hovercraft. Now, the, the, the bit that's ambiguous to me is that if you look for Master Sounds online, there's a website. They are still a, they're still a studio. There's no mention of Neptune's there. There is mention in some of the artists that have recorded there. It says Pharrell Williams, but it's not called Hovercraft anymore. So I'm not I'm not 100% sure, but I think that Master Sound became Hovercraft. I guess Neptune's no longer own it. And so it's gone back to being Master Sound Studios. That's what I think the story is. Sweet. I think I think I think that's true as well. Yeah. <laughs> so back to back to Justin then, because that was the, that was the question. So one mm. thing I would recommend is to watch the making of Justified, which you can find on youtube in various parts it's um i i I think i can't i don't know if there's like a proper documentary or if it's just lots of different recordings home recordings by different people but you know i've I've watched about half an hour half an hour's worth on youtube and it's really cool just seeing pharrell and chad in the studio formulating this stuff live you know like conceiving it and seeing how they work through and you know going through the motions and uh, yeah it's a really really cool I'd, I'd strongly recommend that mm, it's a cool album isn't it oh, it's such a good album yeah it's such a good album i forgot how good it was 
And I didn't know that Neptune's produced and co-wrote over half of their album. Mm-hmm. And and it really was like it was proper co-writing because when you watch those videos from them in the studio in Virginia Beach, they're really tackling it from the ground up. Justin Farrell and and Chad coming up with ideas and you know stuff that you know having listened to Justified is you know that those things turned into songs but you can hear them from the very beginning where Pharrell goes, what about this? And then Justin records it and you think, oh, that, I know that is a song. <laughs> this is really yeah. good. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And you can hear that they were writing, they had written these things for Michael Jackson. Some stuff. Yeah. So I I don't know what tracks, but yeah, I do. I do. I, I heard Pharrell saying that he had a handful of tracks that he had presented to Michael Jackson that he wasn't, he didn't want, he wasn't interested in for whatever reason yeah yeah great songs though really good really good songs and just amazing that you know justin was 21 when that was recorded really wow and to think that a kid of his age he'd already done nsync he could have retired (laughs) incredible incredible yeah little known fact about about chris is i went to see justin on that justified tour oh did you yeah so even then even a kid that was listening to Cradle of Filth and Marilyn Manson and also loads of British hip hop and also appreciated what an amazing album Justified was that I went to see him live at Earl's Court yeah that's amazing how was he it was amazing but I was it was such a great it was such a big show it was Earl's Court you know you know how big Earl's Court is that I was so Mm. far away that um I mean it's a pop gig isn't it so it's when you want, if you're gonna see someone live, you want to see them live for that live experience and and yeah, how they interpret the songs live. But really, a pop artists like him, you're getting what you have on the record because that's that's what the vast majority of the screaming girls want to hear. They want to see you dancing to exactly what is on the record. Yeah, and so I think probably yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah thirty-five yeah. year old me wouldn't care too much about it. Yeah, I do. I do think. I do think Justin Timberlake is is very talented, and that that Justified album is is amazing. So many good yeah. songs on there. Yeah, yeah, I'm quite fond of him because he seems he seems quite real, you know. Mm. I mean, maybe NSYNC were were very very manufactured, but him as an artist, he he seems I don't know, he seems very in control of himself, and he he doesn't get into a lot of controversies either, from what I've seen. You know, yeah. he seems to behave himself, and he's a gentleman. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Well, there's another there's another Michael Jackson link with Justin as well, isn't there? Because he wrote a song, and I'm sure I'll get the name wrong because I don't know it, but I think he said the song was called "Gone" or something. I think yeah, that rings a bell. Yeah. yeah so he'd written this song "Gone" right before the last NSYNC album was released, and he wrote that for Michael Jackson to sing. So he sent wow. it to Michael Jackson's people, and then never got back to him. So he put it on the last NSYNC album. And then after that came out, when he was preparing for Justified, Michael Jackson got in touch with him and said, oh, I heard this song. Let's do it as a duet, you and me. Uh, and Justin right. was like, what the fuck? I've already released right. it, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Interesting. And, Interesting. Then, and then sadly, he didn't have another song that, that Michael was, was interested in doing with him. So he, he missed out. And he said that, I saw an interview with Justin, he said he never, he, he'll never forget that, that he was that close to having a duet with Michael Jackson. Another Michael Jackson link to Pharrell. Teddy Riley produced a lot of the Dangerous album. Oh, right. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, so so when the Neptunes were taken under the wing of Teddy Riley, 
they already had that link with Michael Jackson in there somewhere. Yeah, interesting. So that's that's quite an interesting link. Did Pharrell? I know Pharrell has tried to work with Michael Jackson a lot. Did he get ever get round to to producing anything or writing anything with Michael Jackson? I don't. I don't think he did. No, it's just it's a shame, really, because if he, you know, if 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 the two of them cross paths a lot more, then maybe Michael Jackson would have had a very different end of his career. Yeah, interesting. Did you know little yeah. little fact for you, Matt? Mm. Some of the artists that have recorded at Master Sound. Missy Elliott, Gwen Stefani, Alicia Keys, these are ones I've written down, and mm-hmm. Matt's godfather, Prince. <gasps> Prince? Yeah, Prince recorded at Master Sound. Prince recorded there? Yep. What did, what did he do there? Don't know. No, oh, you'd have to, you'd have to well, Google it. But, interesting. I mean, he's got a lot of music. He, he's recorded if, everywhere. If he right? didn't record it. Yeah, but he, he, he mostly records at Paisley. Well, <laughs> not now, but uh, he recorded a lot of his stuff at Paisley Park, which is his right. magical studio where people go on pilgrimages now spend oh, thousands right. of dollars looking around yeah oh that's very cool though that's very cool yeah justin said that one one thing about master sound back when he recorded justified was that it had a tin roof and if it mm. rained they had to stop recording until the rain had stopped because you could oh, hear that's... the tin roof well, <laughs> yeah, maybe but... chad maybe chad would have um taken the sound of the rain and made it into a drum beat <laughs> but Justin said he was it was really endearing. He liked the fact that these guys by early 2000 Neptunes had already had an amazing career. They'd already mm. been producing for the, the biggest artists in the charts at that time. So for the fact that they were back in Virginia Beach recording in a studio that had a tin roof that had this mm. this major floor showed yeah. that you know there was obviously a you know a, an amazing connection with with Virginia Beach and that's where they felt comfortable and he liked that about them. Well, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Missy Elliott was also from around the Virginia Beach area. Mm. And Timberland as well. Yeah, well, isn't Timberland uh, Pharrell's cousin? No, really? They're related through their grandmothers. Um, oh, wow. He calls him his brother. Oh, wow. yeah, I had so no he, idea. Yeah, they are basically cousins. Yeah, but they, they worked together after they left school. They, they did they did music together. That's right. And I didn't write it down. There was a band, wasn't there? What, what, not a band. There was, there was a hip-hop group with... There was. Who was it? It was Pharrell, Timberland... Um, yeah. Was it was it the guys from Clips? Maybe I'm not sure. Oh, the surrounded by idiots. <laughs> I would not have remembered yeah. that. So he he was in a band with Hugo and Timberland and Magoo. Uh, they formed a hip hop group called Surrounded by Idiots, um, but they stopped before they made any records. And that was just before the Neptunes were formed, which were a four piece when they first started. Yeah, and they were a band, weren't they? Neptunes actually, they weren't. Mm. Yeah, and with with Shay Haley, and Mike Etheridge, cool stuff. Yeah. So, question five. Oh, this is a tough one. This is a tough one. <laughs> You're such a glutton for punishment. Name the rapper who has a guest verse on NERD's lap dance. I haven't got a clue, mate. I haven't got a clue. <laughs> Put me out of my misery again. It's so. I mean, I've got so much to say about this. No one. When I give you the answer and then I tell you what I've got to say about it, no one in the history of, of this guy's career has spoken so much about this guy. Go on. <laughs> so the guy's name is Lee Harvey. Okay. This guy has had no career. <laughs> Online, he is regularly referred to as having a one-verse career. <laughs> Dude, seriously. Like, wow. there's nothing about this man online. It's amazing. Is it's... he just, like, one of their friends? They just brought in I, the song. Couldn't tell you. 
couldn't tell you. I mean, it's, it's mind-blowing how big this song was, yet no one's heard of this guy, Lee Harvey, and he went on to do nothing. Um, <laughs> what I can tell you is that in about 2014, so, I mean, when did Lap Dance come out? 2000? 2001? So uh, 2001, yeah. 2001. So 13 years later, uh, Chad Hugo released an EP of Lee Harvey's music, totally produced by Chad. I haven't oh, heard no. it. I don't know where you can find it. I looked on Spotify. There is an artist on Spotify called Lee Harvey, but listening to it doesn't... I don't think it's the same person, so it's it's a different Lee Harvey. Yeah, I mean, Lap Dance was such a nostalgic tune. It was... I was the perfect age when it came out to be totally mesmerised by it. The The Wikipedia page for Lap Dance says the there was a list by VH1 of 100 greatest hip-hop songs, and it was mm. ranked 93rd. So to be the featured artist on the 93rd greatest hip-hop song of all time... Yet you're a complete mystery. Yeah. It's amazing. It's pretty cool. Maybe he owned a strip club so they could have all the girls for the lap dance video. Maybe that's what it is. Tenuous, tenuous. They had to get him on the song just to just to, to get in the video. Yeah. Strange. Oh. Strange one. Yeah. He's got no he's got no Wikipedia page. There's nothing. Nothing about this guy. No, I, I, I looked him up and there's either Lee, there's obviously loads of stuff about Lee Harvey Oswald, which isn't yeah. the same person. Or Lee Harvey uh, English footballer. I do yeah, find it very, very odd that, you know, you can be on such a massive hit, such a well known song, yet you you didn't continue with music mm. or try and capitalize off it in any way. Yeah. I wonder something yeah, must have happened. Very strange. Very spooky. Pharrell's worked with a lot of people, though, hasn't he? He's had a lot of guests on his songs. A lot of people like Jamie yeah. Cullum's on one of them. Oh, really? I think he's on In My Mind. But oh, I, that's interesting. I didn't hear his voice. I think he might just play piano. But yeah, there's Jamie Cullum, that that little baby-faced jazz, <laughs> jazz guy. Baby-faced yeah. jazz guy. Yeah, that's why he's... I just always thought he's got a little baby face. Like, why is he on there? And I listened to it, and oh, I just couldn't hear him. He does. He has worked. They have worked with... Um... With so many, so many different people. Yeah. Oh, and on NERD's Fly or Die, they worked with the Madden brothers, you know, from Good Charlotte. Oh, yeah, yeah. So uh, when Fly or Die came out, or actually maybe before then, when their, when their debut came out, mm. I'm reading a lot of reviews online. People kept referring to it as a new metal project by Pharrell. But mm. it's not new metal, is it? It's from what i'm hearing oh, i don't know i can kind of hear that i think if you were to describe it i would probably put it as new metal but it doesn't sound like any other new metal out there yeah yeah there's they've got they have two different sounds really any idea to, to the point that so their their debut album what well, i can't remember what it's called what's their debut called in search of in search of that's right so they're often labeled as a rap rock band mm-hmm. um, but i feel that the rock element is pretty minimal a lot of the time yeah. And yeah. it doesn't really steer that far away from the sounds that we know Chad and Pharrell for. And that's so much so that they released the record in Europe and uh, Europe and Asia, I think. They then re-recorded it before they released it in the US a year later uh, with mm. a backing band to give it less of an electronic sound and more of a genuine rock vibe. Uh, yes, I heard about this because they, they were told that their original sound was too Neptune-Z. Yep, yep. Uh, and the thing is, NERD are made up, uh, they're presented as a band, Pharrell, Chad mm. Hugo and Shay Haley. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Pharrell on vocals, 
Chad does bass and guitar and Shay does drums, but they're not really a band in the traditional sense because if you see them live, they've got a backing band. <laughs> I think I think Pharrell does drums, doesn't he? Shay well, definitely does some lyrics, does some vocals. Questionable um, because yeah, if you, if you yeah. see them live, the only one playing an instrument is is Chad. Oh, true. Yeah, true. The rest of the rest <laughs> of the time, they use a backing band, which I think yes. for the for a lot of it is Spy Mob, who are a band that were signed by uh, Star Trek. Ah. So it's a, it's a bit of a weird project, really. I mean, they're, they're not really a band. I, I don't know. I don't know what your definition of the word band is, but they're not a guitar, drums, bass band. No, I, I see what you mean. In that in that sense, they're not a oh, new metal band. Yeah. Um, so are they just a production team? Are they just a different face of Neptune's? I guess they are in a way, aren't they? They're the Neptunes, but just just going a more aggressive, rocky sound. Yeah. But they're not a rock band, and and their latest album is called No One Ever Really Dies. It sounds very Neptunesy, like it's more. It sounds more R and B, hip hoppy. I haven't listened to, to that one. Shocking, I know, to do an episode, and I haven't listened to it. But yeah, I haven't listened to it yet. I will take I've a only, listen. I've only heard some of it. It's got Rihanna on it. It's got Kendrick Lamar and Andre Three Thousand. From Outcast, yeah, uh, Ed Sheeran, of course. All well known for their rock stuff. <laughs> so one question: I, I don't know if you know the answer to this. Was Chad involved in the production of Pharrell's two solo albums? I don't think so. I'm pretty sure they were self-produced. Yeah, no, ah, right. no, they were self-produced. Yeah. Okay, because I was yeah. going to say you could, you know, you could just roll together the Neptunes, NERD, and Pharrell's solo work. And that could be one career. He's just chosen to release it all under different names for whatever reason. Yeah, interestingly, we haven't really spoken much about his albums, have we? So, well, in my mind, it sounds a bit... It didn't really inspire me very much. It sounds like... I don't know, that there wasn't very many songs that really, for me, were particularly memorable. There were some really cool drum beats... Uh, but it, it's a bit meh. It wasn't a bit, you know. But that's maybe that's just me because I much preferred Girl as an album. To me, it's very, it's very fun and it's got a lot of soul. And um, there's some songs that are very almost like Jamiroquai, I think. It's, it's you know, easy to dance to, and they're, they're just, it's just a great piece of work. But that's more, that's more my kind of music. You know, I, I, when I listen to hip hop, I'm like, I'm not really sure what I'm listening for, what I'm trying to appreciate you know maybe mm. i need to go on a hip-hop appreciation course maybe we're gonna have to do some to... more some more hip-hop episodes uh, yeah for season two mm, yes you need to you need to teach me some teach me some things to look out for <laughs> <laughs> well I, I i'm not that far off your feelings for his solo stuff i think you might even like girl more than me i think that his first album in my mind, I just feel there's not enough there to make an album. I think it's it's really padded out with a lot of mm. a lot of stuff that would would normally have not made the cut. I mean, he's got he he's so talented, and he knows how to write a hit and he knows how to write a good hook. Yet a lot of the songs on in my mind don't have a good hook and are mm. two minutes longer than they should be. And yeah. there's, there's too many tracks and a lot of them are just shouldn't be on there. I, I, it's yeah. not. It's not a good album from my perspective. I, I I feel maybe he just wanted to do a solo album, and all, all his great material had gone to other people. So I don't know. Yeah. Um, but maybe maybe being a soulful R and B singer suits him more than being a rapper. Oh yeah, 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 definitely. I think Girl is better. It's got, I mean, Girl's got some bangers on it, mm-hmm. um, some real yeah. hits, and you know that helps. But it's still not. It's not an end-to-end. I'm not listening to it cover to cover. 
no, no I'm no. skipping some stuff. Um, so yeah, they they didn't blow me away too much. I, of of their catalogue, I say that you know of Pharrell's catalogue, <laughs> I think that Clones by Neptunes is a really great album. But because it's kind of like uh, because it's really a compilation of uh, of different artists, it's it's very easy to listen to because you're you're changing it up with every track. Mm, mm-hmm. uh, it's re- it's a real fun listen. Yeah, I enjoy that one. I think that NERD's second album is really fun. And the first album is not too bad, although I just yeah. don't think it's rocky enough to be referred to as a rap rock album. Yeah. So do you prefer him as a solo artist, as part of the Neptunes, or as part of NERD? As the Neptunes, I think. Mm-hmm. I prefer uh, My favourite work by, them, uh, by him is when he's uh, the second half of the Neptunes. Yeah, that's the stuff I appreciate the most. He's the second half, he's not the first half. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let, I'll let the listener decide. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's the voice of the Neptunes, isn't he? The, the, Chad doesn't say a lot at all. No. But he's incredibly yeah. talented. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's been really interesting delving into his, his career. It's, it's, he's got his fingers in all the pies, as they say. He does. I use that one a lot. I like that one. <laughs> <laughs> For old pie He finger. should have his own. He should, he should start opening his own pie shop. Oh, don't. He will. He will. He's got, he's got a shop on every corner, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah, all this fashion malarkey. Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, five tough questions. I think they're pretty tough. Yes. Let's, let's see how Steve, our superfan, does with these. Back in the late 90s, um, I'm from a, a smallish town on the south coast of the UK, I didn't have much access to, you know, kind of the, the latest hip hop and stuff like that when I was kind of growing up when I was a teenager and stuff. So I used to um, import a lot of records in and also travel to the next town over from me to get the latest uh, hip hop magazines like The Vibe and Double XL and The Source and stuff like that. Um, and it was it was around that time in the late 90s, early 2000s when Pharrell, as part of the Neptune, started producing all these kind of huge hits for uh, these kind of big hip hop artists that I kind of started to realise who he was and what he was doing. Uh, and then obviously when his, his first album of NERD came out um, in early 2001, I think it was now, um, that's when I kind of really started to pay attention and uh, look at what he was doing and his kind of back catalogue at that point and getting really into it. So when it was just uh, in the 90s when it was the Neptunes, were you were you more just aware of him and what he was doing rather than following his career? Yeah, it was just being aware of kind of the music that was coming out that I was hearing in bars and clubs and on the radio and stuff like that. All these you know, really big hits that they were putting out at the time. And obviously I was aware of the Neptunes and you know, the name Pharrell, but not really anything else around it. But it was only when In Search Of first came out that I was like, okay, this is different. This is interesting. And then really started to, you know, dive in deep to it. And you're you're now the host of The Others podcast, which is a podcast all about Pharrell and his various projects. How did that start? So, yeah, it's the same as other podcasts and projects that I've had here in Finland, which is where I live now. I don't have a lot of people around me that want to talk about the the random nonsense that I want to talk about. Mm. Um, so, you know, there's been this kind of small community of of fans, you know, since the late 90s, early 2000s. Um, and a lot of us have kind of kept in touch over the years and stuff. And it, that community has also grown uh, as kind of new fans have come on board. 
and it was just an outlet to kind of chat about music and chat about the latest things that are happening. Um, you know, people listening may not be kind of completely aware of all the other things Pharrell is um, involved in, aside from music. You know, there's a lot of other stuff going on in terms of, um, you know, fashion, design, property investment, movies, all this kind of stuff. So it was just an outlet to kind of, you know, start chatting about that on a regular basis because uh, there was nothing else, you know, for it at the time. So is that is all that other stuff, is that an interest to yours as well or is it just the music that he's creating? No, definitely. It's, you know, the, the whole package is really interesting. It's interesting to see not just him but anyone in life, how they transition from, you know, being an expert in one type of business um, you know, to another, basically. And with Pharrell, you know, it's been over the years, multiple fashion um, labels and brands he's worked with. Obviously, he now has, uh, you know, one of Adidas's largest uh, deals out there, as well as his own um, labels that he still has. As I say, hotel investment, property investment, all the kind of collaborations he does, the, the art side of things. It's all, like, really interesting to me, for sure. And, and you mentioned in your in your email to us that you have the biggest collection in Europe, is it, of uh, Billionaire Boys Club? I'd like to think so, yeah. I've not seen one in Europe that is bigger than mine. Yeah, so uh, BBC Ice Cream or Billionaire Boys Club and Ice Cream, um, uh, two kind of clothing lines he founded in the early 2000s that... Over the years, he then kind of let go of and, and now is kind of purchased back again, but isn't too involved with it nowadays. Um, but yeah, I've got a, let's say, fairly vast collection of um, <laughs> of clothes here. And I would say, yeah, 99% of them never see the light of day. <laughs> That's not why you buy them, though, is it? Well, no, exactly. No, I, I buy them because, you know, a lot of them, especially the early things, they invoke a lot of memories for me. But part of the kind of fashion then, part of the culture... Um, and, and I collect them to, you know, for those memories and to, you know, help sort of support the brand if I can. Mm. And obviously there is that link to, to Pharrell and the Neptunes and NERD as well. So it all kind of ties in quite nicely. That's my excuse anyway. <laughs> What's your biggest or most memorable moment in your quest to find and do all things Pharrell related? <laughs> um, probably meeting him a few years back. Um, and, and interviewing Shay from NERD. Uh, anyone that follows NERD at all will, will probably know that, you know, when a new NERD project comes out, um, Pharrell is kind of the, the voice and the front man of NERD and of the Neptunes. So the likes of Shay and Chad don't really ever do any, um, or very little press, should I say. Um, so somehow I was lucky enough a few years ago when they were in Finland to, um, to get an interview with Shay, which was great. Um, and I thought I'd peaked at that point. Um, and then that turned into getting some passes for the show. We had some passes sorted out already, but they were very, Shay very kindly upgraded them for us. Wow. Um, and yeah, hanging out backstage and suddenly Shay's shouting Pharrell to come over and Pharrell comes over and talks to me and my son and we have a conversation and uh, a bit of a chat about the podcast and everything else. And uh, it's all a bit of a blur a few years later on, you know, it was a blur at the time. That's amazing. Um, yeah, but that, that was a great experience, really good. It was great of him to, you know, in his place of work, to take the time to come over and chat and say thank you and take pictures and all that kind of, you know, nonsense that I'm sure he, um, yeah. you know, he, he doesn't necessarily always want to do. What was the platform for the interview? Was that for the podcast? 
Yeah, it was. If people want to check it out, you can head over to um, theothers.net, and that's others with a Z, because that's how the, the cool kids spell it, I'm told, these days. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, you can find all the all the episodes there. Um, and I think it's probably episode, it's quite an early one, like number nine or ten or something. Um, so it's from a few years back, but yeah, you can go and check it out there, and um, you can hear me gush over Shay and tell him how much I love him, basically. <laughs> Brilliant. All right, Brill. Well, I've got five questions for you um, to try and try and gauge your super fandom. Although I think you've, I think you've set a pretty good stage. I think uh, everyone listening will understand where your level of fandom sits, regardless of how many points you get. I have gone pretty hard with these questions. I've got I've got one throwaway, so I, uh, I hopefully mm-hmm. get the throwaway, and then I've got four pretty tough ones. I think. So um, I, I went extra tough because you're the first person we've had who's managed to talk for 40 plus episodes of um of a podcast about their idol so uh, I i've got I to say to... I, I can talk i can talk for days but my memory is atrocious so anything when it comes to names dates chronology i'm terrible so i'm expecting to get very few points here all right well let's see so question one this is the easy one here so hopefully hopefully this is a throwaway what 2013 single produced by and featuring Pharrell was number one in at least 13 countries? So you see, this you're going to say an easy one. It could that could be a number of different tracks um, of around that time. You've got Blurred Lines, you've got Get Lucky, you've got Happy all around that time. Oh God! And I'd say all of those were probably number one in at least 13 countries as well well well, this this one so uh, i say at least 13 countries a lot of a lot of places will say more but i can't guarantee more than 13 but some places have said as many as 25 countries around the world had this as a number one single out of those i'm gonna go well which was the highest selling one i'm gonna say i'm gonna take a punt and say blurred lines yes off you Yeah, it was Blur- Blurred Lines by Robin Thicke featuring T.I. and Pharrell. It was a galactic single, that was. It was just absolutely bloody everywhere, wasn't it? It was, and like I say, it was on a run of where you had, yeah, Get Lucky as well, which was mm. almost as big, if not as big. Happy as well, which took over the world um, around that time as well. Probably a bit later in the year, I think, actually. So, yeah, it could have been any of those, to be fair. Well, it's a strong start. One out of one. So far, you're on 100%. So, question two. Here's where it's here's where it starts to get a lot tougher. Uh oh. So, what was the first album to be released through Star Trek Entertainment? That's not that's not a Pharrell record. It's it's on their on their label, Star Trek Entertainment. What was the first album they released? Oh man, I want to probably say the clips. Lord Willing was about 2001, which was when Star Trek was ramping up, which was when In Search Of came out. And obviously it had the, the big hit uh, grinding on it. I'm going to take a punt, Lord Willing. That's strong. It is indeed Lord Willing by Ooh. Clips. That's amazing. I thought I thought that was really tough. <laughs> but do you know your stuff? You know your stuff? I don't, know. I don't know let's see let's see you know it's a little confusing to find that information out online because i i guess they they bought in back catalogs of previous artists yeah because i think the um Khalees's first album kaleidoscope which would have actually been just before that yeah was released on was released on virgin i think which was when they were setting up the deal with star trek right that's brilliant two out of two this is going well so you do, so you, to a good start at least you're doing better than you thought you would 
<laughs> um, yeah, yeah, definitely. Question three. What song from Fall Out Boy's Folly Adieu was co-written by Pharrell? Oh, Fall Out Boy. I think, I could that... be wrong, but I think there's only one song ever by Fall Out Boy that was co-written by Pharrell. I think this was it. Yeah, and it is in the back of my mind. Oh, that is a tough one because Fallout Boy is not the kind of artist I would normally. It's not the kind of normally artist. listen to. Yeah, I'm gonna have to dig deep into my uh, into my brain here. This one, I'm gonna. I might have to pass on this. Am I allowed to come back to them at all? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, you can come back right. to it. We can skip skip ahead to question four, and we'll come back to this at the end. Okay. <laughs> Let my brain try and ch- churn over a little bit and work it out. Because at some point, it'll probably pop up. If it's not tonight, it'll be tomorrow. <laughs> I don't know if we can wait that long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll come back to question three. It's a, it's a tough one because, as you say, Fallout Boy is not the kind of not the kind of band that Pharrell would normally work with. And myself and Matt have both listened to the song and I really can't hear his input at all. <laughs> so, yeah, we'll, we'll come back to that. Let's let's skip ahead to question four. So, question four. What is the name of the studio in Virginia Beach where the Neptunes worked on Justin Timberlake's debut album? Now, I should know that because the person they worked with, Andrew Coleman, uh, who was Pharrell's engineer for many years, recently purchased that studio. Oh, interesting. It was co-owned with Timberland uh, back in the day. Now, what was it called? That's the question. You've probably done an episode about this. The, the, yeah, <laughs> the, the Justified album and all the stuff there I have. And But did we talk about the studios? Because they've worked in a couple in that area in the time, uh, around that time. Was it the Hovercraft one? I am going to give you the point. Okay. Because the answer is Master Sound Studios, and you, you can you can correct me if I'm wrong. I've done a lot of reading on this, and my understanding of the story is it was Master Sound Studios. Neptune's purchased it when it nearly went bankrupt, and I think at that point they renamed it to Hovercraft, and now they've sold it, and it's yeah. no longer Hovercraft. I don't think it's now Master Sound Studios again. I, I think you are right there. Yes, um, I know it has been renamed over the years at least a couple of times, mm. um, and yeah, and I can remember what year it, it got changed and when it got changed back and stuff like that. And I think even now it has changed again recently when um, uh, Drew Coleman has been kind of repurposing it. Right. Um, so it could even have a completely different name now as well. Um, are you a fan of Justified? I am. I think it's a great album. Again, it's it's one of those things with with music whereby I would never, or around that time at least, I would never normally see myself listening to a Justin Timberlake record. Mm. You know, I certainly wasn't a boy band fan back then, but the fact that the Neptunes were involved, I was kind of drawn into it, and Timberland as well, obviously, kind of made me listen to it. And even now, all these years later, like more than 20 years later, it still stands up as a really strong album, really well produced. Oh, yeah. Um, so yes, I am a big fan of that album. Brilliant. Well, I'm glad we got that one. Uh, we'll go on to question five, then we'll then we'll head back to three and see if that one's come to you yet. So question okay. five. Name the rapper who has a guest verse on NERD's lap dance. Lee Harvey. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's brilliant. You know, you're the only person on the planet who remembers Lee Harvey. I, I once pushed him over. <laughs> wow. So, um, yeah, there you go. Sort of a claim to fame, I guess. 
I was at a very early um, NERD gig. Uh, I want to say Brixton Academy, maybe back in would have been two thousand and two ish. And this is when he was touring with them, um, when they were kind of promoting In Search Of just after it had been kind of re-released, of which the anniversary is the second anniversary. I should say the re-anniversary of it is coming up in a week's time. So he was touring with them. He was, we were at the front row, myself and my then girlfriend. He was a little bit, getting a bit excited, jumping kind of up onto the crowd right at the front. Uh, and at some point, he kind of, you know, managed to elbow or hit my girlfriend in the face a couple of times. Um, so I, I gave him a friendly, a friendly little push away, let's say. <laughs> Brilliant. I mean, you've already you've already given us more than we could ever find out about Lee Harvey. So he actually toured with them. He did for a while. Yeah. Um, while they did the In Search of stuff. Also, I think I've probably seen him a couple of times at least live. So I think he was mm. with going on tour with them for probably about a year or so, maybe. Do you know what happened to him? He is on Instagram somewhere still, but he didn't really do much after that. I mm. think he had planned to carry on working with NERD. If my memory serves me right, there was rumours they were going to work on some music for him, for his album and stuff. And also he was possibly going to sign the label. I don't know if he formally did or not in the end. But then, yeah, it just kind of, I think he just sort of went off the boil, dropped out of music. And yeah, nobody ever really heard of him again. Interesting. Well, nailed it. Nailed it. We're going to go back to question three and see if we can make it a four out of five. So question three was, what song from Fall Out Boy's Folly Adieu was co-written by Pharrell? I've kind of got it in the back of my head and I know I've got a copy of it somewhere and I've probably listened to it a fair few times. But like I say, because it's not something that crops up regularly in in kind of what I play, um, I can't think of it for the life of me. As soon as you say it, I'll probably be like, oh yeah, that was it, duh. Oh, I don't know. It's not got a very catchy title, but it's called Whams, W-A-M-S. God, yeah, I would never have got that. I have a bonus question for you. Go on then. I have a bonus question for you to try and try and claw back a point. So we'll go for bonus question. Now, this is not directly related to Pharrell, but it is related to Chad Hugo. So, oh, okay. What Jay-Z single from 1998 features a young Chad Hugo on saxophone? From what year, sorry? It was 1998. 98 with a saxophone. City is mine? It is. The city is mine. Ooh. Well done. Did you do that because you knew it or you did it because you knew there was a saxophone on City is Mine? A little bit of both. <laughs> I was trying, I couldn't think of the tr- the actual tracks. I was thinking, right, what songs do I know of a saxophone in them of around that time, which probably, possibly could have been him. Two and two came together and yeah. So I think, I mean, this was recorded in 97, uh, released in 98. And I understand that he just happened to be in the same studio, you know, in a different studio in the same building. And Teddy Riley said, hey, Jay-Z needs a sax on this. You play saxophone. Do you want to, do you want to pop in and do that quickly? As you do, yeah. <laughs> lay down one, a sax- Exactly, yeah. Lay down a saxophone for Jay-Z. That's what you do, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, I'm not doing that. But <laughs> <laughs> you, uh, you absolutely killed it. That's really hard questions, I think. Tougher than I'd normally do because I thought that we were getting the best of the best. Um, and you nailed it. So, Thanks, I appreciate that. Yeah, so, so last, last thing of all. I don't, I mean, we always ask people this, but I don't think for Pharrell it's super necessary. But for any listener who who hasn't heard of Pharrell or hasn't heard what he's doing, could you give a couple of sentences to kind of sum up, sum up why they should start listening to his music? Oh man, well, it, it doesn't matter what music you're into, you will find something by Pharrell that you enjoy, whether that's 
pop music and just easy listening stuff like happy whether it's you know big film scores real hard hip-hop you want there is something for everyone in the back catalogue um, so i recommend yeah, you go and check out listen to bits and pieces um, if you want a specific recommendation then feel free to reach out to me and i can give you a, a very specific track or album or whatever it might be um, but yeah there's there's something for everyone in that back catalogue for sure Awesome. And people can find the others with a Z on the end uh, on most podcast players. I know on Podbean I've checked and you're there. Um, yep, we're on all of the platforms, Spotify as well. You can just head over to theothers.net, which has all the links, or you can go to linktree forward slash others podcast, which has all of the social links and everything like that there. Awesome. Thanks very much for your time, Steve. It's been an absolute pleasure. It's been great. Thanks for that, mate. Thanks, Steve. Brilliant work. Definitely take a listen to, to Steve's podcast. You can find the others on all your favorite podcast players, but uh, you can go to www.theotherswithaz.net. Did you did you hear about this 24-hour video for Happy? I think maybe I've come across it when I've been looking for world records to post on Twitter. But, uh, I, mean, um, I mean, I guess it's not the longest video ever because there are longer videos than 24 hours. Do but... you know the longest video ever, just, just whilst we're there? No. Do you? I do because I posted it on Twitter not that long ago and mm. I can't remember the band but the length of the video is 170 something days wow yeah and it was yeah I, I'll find it I'll find it and repost it so keep on keep your eye on Twitter yeah no keep a look out on MTV maybe they'll play it <laughs> they don't play music anymore that's true they don't oh man we're so old yeah yeah so this 24-hour video it's very fascinating actually uh it's basically on a loop. If you look for 24hoursofhappy.com, it calls itself the world's first 24-hour music video. So when you go on it, depending on the time of day, it will show you a different part of the video. So 3 p.m., you know, maybe he's walking around the church and there's a gospel choir behind him. Or 2 a.m., he's walking around a really dirgy gas station. And the whole way through, there's people dancing, having a great time. And the start of each hour, Pharrell does a little cool entrance you know like he always does and yeah, so did he hours. did he record he recorded 24 hours worth of material there it's it's 24 hours of material but it's not he's not in it the whole time he's only at the start of each hour right and the rest of it is basically people dancing to the song and the song's on loop it's not like a 24 hour song um it's it's just the happy song over and over again and it started a trend you know how on the internet people People follow trends of dances, you know, like on TikTok. Yeah. Maybe. So there's a website called wearehappyfrom.com and people post their videos of themselves dancing to the song and they're from all different countries. Oh, cool. uh, at the minute, there's 1,950 videos from 153 countries. Wow. People spreading the happiness. Oh, are so you going to do the happy challenge? <laughs> Uh, no, no, I don't no, think no. you're allowed anyway. If you don't have a TikTok account, you're not allowed to do a challenge. No, I, I don't have a TikTok account, actually. Yeah, that's how old I am. I yeah, think I, we're two decades too old to have a TikTok account. And also on YouTube, if you type in happy video and a different hour, like 3 a.m. or 6 p.m., whatever, you know how time works. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I hope. Uh, <laughs> you can see all the different hours and you can skip through and, and see what all the fuss is about. <laughs> Awesome. Yeah, so that will hopefully that will cheer you up. 
Awesome. You know where else you can go online to look at cool stuff? You can go to Superfancast1 at Twitter. You can also go to Facebook. I hear that there's a Superfancast page on Facebook. There is, yeah. And, I see what you did there. Yeah. And uh, the temporary home for our new music reviews is superfancast.blogspot.com. And you can also email us at superfancast at outlook.com with your recommendations for who we should be doing an episode on. We don't have a fixed schedule necessarily for the whole of season two. We've had a couple of uh, couple of people get in touch. So we've got a couple of episodes mapped out. If you're a super fan or a, or a nut, get in touch and tell us who you're a nut for and why you love them. That's all from me. Is that all from you, Matt? I think so. Yeah, that was interesting. Yeah. Yep. So I like thank, that. thank you for joining us. We look forward to you joining us again in a couple of weeks for the next deep dive, which is going to be... Kings of Convenience. Very nice. I know nothing about Kings of Convenience yet. I don't even know what genre it is. I haven't looked at it at all, so this should be fun. Oh, they're, they're a nice bunch of chaps. Cool. Stay safe, everybody. Keep rocking. We'll see you next time.